Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years is the future of women's training. I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 144, Q&A, part two, baby. How are you? It's Wednesday. It's podcast day. One of my favorite days. I just got home from the gym. I haven't even showered yet. I just had to get in the door and make my coffee and my snack and get to my computer so I can record this for you. I've been really excited to do this all week. Uh, Life has been full (laughs) Uh, of all good things, just very full. So she's been on my list to record for a few days. Here we are, we're gonna record Part two, Q&A. She's going to be a big one. There are some big questions in here. Uh, So saddle up, settle in, snack up. uh, And we're going to we're going to chat first. uh, What's going on? What's going on? What's going on in your world, in your life? I am on the countdown until I fly home November 4th. I think that is about five weeks away. And I was just doing some planning for it last night. Uh, And it's going to be epic. She's going to be an epic trip. The coolest thing is that I get to see my family after three years. I get to spend time with my mom and my dad and my sisters and my nieces and nephews. I have five nieces and nephews. There's something really cool about spending time with children. I love the playfulness and the creativity and this lightness and ease that oozes out of children so I have missed them all very much for the past three years so I'm on the countdown and that will be the coolest thing but there are other really cool things happening on this trip home one is we have our creator club immersion world building event which is a full day 
uh, of business coaching and we get to be in a room together. And let me tell you, it is such a cool experience to be in a room with inspiring people, small business owners, coaches and creatives. The energy, the connection, the relating, the relationships, the creativity, the ideation, it's infectious and it penetrates deep into your soul. It's so rad. Uh, I talk a lot about, you know, who do you want at your table and fill your room with inspiring and powerful women. And it doesn't even have to be women. You know, most of my coaches in my life have been males. A lot of uh, people in Creator Club are male. And so it's fill your room with people that inspire you. And I'm so damn excited because I get to spend a whole day in a room full of people who are doing amazing things with their life in business. It's going to be epic. And I think five of us are going to share a house together. And so there's going to be loads of laughs, uh, lots of connection, learning, uh, food, beach, coffee. Yeah. So that's in Newcastle for a few days. And actually, while I'm there, I reached out to Cody Adams. He is a videographer. Uh, very amazing. His work is phenomenal. And he's done some work for John and Ruby, my business coaches before. He's very well known in Newcastle. And I want him to do some work for me. So I'm going to get him to film a video. Uh, so that will be epic. I am organizing that with him next week. So that will be, you know, a half a day or a full day filming uh, to get some video content created for Warrior School as part of her reinvention, which I have been asked about many times. And I thought I would do a whole podcast episode on that, but she's going well. <laughs> she, she is going well. There's been some really cool learnings. Um, you know, I was stuck for a really long time and very frustrated and very overwhelmed and avoiding her, but I'm in her and there's some epic stuff happening. So I will do a podcast episode on that. Also, I am going to connect with my dear friends and powerful women that are changing this women's health and fitness game with me. Kitty Blomfield, Leela Lutz, and Libby Westcomb. <laughs> the four of us are getting together in Sydney for a few days. You know what's really, really cool is that I have never met these women in person. We developed a relationship online and over the last couple of years, we have a private chat that... You know, we write to each other at least a few times a week uh, or voice message each other. And it's this really cool, powerful room that we've created where we support each other and share 
you know, about our life and our business and the challenges and the obstacles and the hard parts and the wins. And so I've never met them live in person, but it's the thing that I love about social media and about technology is that it provides a platform for powerful connection, for powerful relationships. And I think that's epic. So we are, I'm sharing an Airbnb with Kitty and Craig in Sydney. We're staying right near Leela and we're going to have dinners and breakfast and food and coffee and walks and training. And I'm going to see if I can actually, uh, record a podcast altogether, a video podcast. It would be really cool to actually do, you know, a live uh, video podcasty talk showy thing together. So I'm going to, I'm going to rally them to do that. What else is happening? What else is coming up? It's going to be a huge few months. We are starting our Strengthen Your Confidence Challenge next month inside Warrior School. So we just had our live coaching call yesterday and we talked through the challenge. The challenge is 26 days, 12 sessions, three PRs each session. The mission for them is to build their confidence to overcome the fear of adding weight or making their training harder, to PR and to have fun. I believe that women can train hard. Uh, Actually, most women need to train harder. We just need to do it in a respectful way, in an intelligent way. One of my big missions inside of Warrior School is teaching women how to train, how to approach their training. And a part of that is feeling confident to progress and modify your training. And to do that, we really need to understand the why, the what, and the how. So those are three key words. Why? Why are we doing this? Why would we progress it this way? Why is progression and modification important? What? Like, what are we doing? Um, You know, how are we approaching our training? What exactly are we progressing? And then the how is, well, how do we actually go about it? How do we know when we should make it harder? How do we know when we should go up in weight? How do we know what's the right progression for us right now? How do we know when we need to modify our training? So the why, the what, and the how are part of learning how to approach your training. And when we learn how to progress and modify our training, it gives us confidence. And so this is why I've called the challenge Strengthen Your Confidence. There is an emphasis on strength, so getting stronger, and that is, you know, the PRs and pushing harder in their training. And then there's this element of strengthening the confidence side of it. I want 
these women to feel really confident in their training practice, to know the next move for them. So Strengthen Your Confidence kicks off next Monday. It's going to be epic. You're going to see so many PRs. You're going to see all of these women do amazing things in their training. I'm also going to do it with them. So I'm going to be a part of the Strengthen Your Confidence Challenge. (laughs) They dared me yesterday that I had to double everything (laughs) in the challenge. And then I also had to do all of the bonuses that I gave them. So on top of... Uh, the challenge, I created a list of bonuses that they could choose to do one or all of them. And so they dared me to do the challenge, to have to double my PRs and do all the bonuses. So I, lucky I'm having three days off to gear up and prepare for (laughs) October. So this year I tried a super cool thing And that was taking the last three days off of every month. But she's had a bit of a reinvention seven months in. (laughs) And that is, you know, a big learning for me is that if the last three days fall on weekdays, I ain't very good at taking them off. And so last month I actually didn't rest properly. And I've done that a few times now. So I've decided to take the last weekend off of every month. So I'm taking Friday, Saturday and Sunday off to rest, to recharge, to get ready for our Strengthen Your Confidence Challenge in October. We'll also have a really big month of momentum calls before I go away in November. And I'm also planning our end of year event for inside of warrior school so i'm organizing guest speakers and prizes and graduation ceremonies and the content for those two days which is going to be in december the applications for warrior school are closing at the end of the month september 30th until next year because she's going through a reinvention So there's a lot on. I've got a lot of work on. I've got a lot of planning and creativity uh, and vision stuff that I need to work through over these last three months of the year for next year. Uh, What else is going on? I am seeing the pelvic floor specialist for the second time today, which will be very cool. So we're going to do a little bit of work internally again and then I also am going to get her to look at my coccyx uh, my tailbone (laughs) and I'm actually going to do a whole podcast episode on my back my hip this pelvic floor stuff and link it into the goal that I had to go back to Olympic weightlifting So I'll give you an update on my training, where I'm at with that. uh, And I will talk you through the journey of this very cool, interesting uh, puzzle of a hip back problem that I've been having that 
we've now brought in the pelvic floor uh, and we're looking at the coccyx and the tailbone because I'm not sure if you remember, <laughs> but at the start of the year, I actually fell on black ice and I fell on my coccyx, on my tailbone so hard and I was out for a few weeks where I couldn't even sit on my butt uh, and I couldn't train for a while. And so we've started to link that trauma uh, of me falling into po the potential problem that I'm having with my back and my hip. It's super interesting, but I'm not going to dive into it today. We're going we're gonna to dive into our Q&A. Are you ready? All right, let's, let's gear up. Okay, our first question for today. When someone reaches their health goals, what are the different paths after that? I really like this question. And I'm going to have to say that, you know, initially when I read it, my mind thought, well, set bigger goals. You know, what do you want to be able to do? Where do you want to take it? And I thought, well, that's very unhelpful. Thanks, mind. <laughs> very unhelpful. Please marinate in it and really think about the question so you can give a deeper uh, answer and a better perspective on it. So I did. I've marinated in it for a couple of weeks. I've reread the question many times. And there are a few things that really popped out for me. Uh, so I'm going to read the question again. When someone reaches their health goals, what are the different paths after that? So the first thing that came up for me was that women need to learn the foundation of needs. So there is this foundation of needs for women. Or we could say like a foundation of training needs for women, a foundation of nutrition needs for women, or we could combine all of this stuff and say that there is a foundation of needs for women. And this is the model that we use inside of Warrior School. So at the base of the foundation, we're looking at the health of the body, the state of our nervous system, of our physiology, of our metabolism. What is our biofeedback telling us? What is our sleep like, our cycle like, our energy, our mood, our appetite, our sex drive, our temp, our pulse? All of that biofeedback uh, is going to tell a story about how healthy our body is. So when I read the question and really thought about it, I thought, huh, this is really cool because there's two parts to it. So when someone reaches their health goals, what are the different paths after that? So if we want to get stronger, we want to perform better, we want to change our body composition, we want to build muscle, to do all of these really cool epic things, you know, to build a body that is capable and resilient and looks athletic and strong and toned. The body needs to be healthy. So it needs a foundation. So the first piece is 
looking at that foundation of needs for you, looking at your biofeedback. Is your body healthy from a physiological, metabolic perspective? Once we create stability and safety and we support the metabolism, we strengthen the physiology, we could say that the body is healthy or healthier. And so initially the health goal might be to have stronger biofeedback, a stronger metabolism, to be able to tick off all of those signs that the body is healthy. Once we've reached that state or we've built that base of our foundation, we can, it opens up the next part of the question. What are the different paths after that? You know, what could I do? Or also the way that I thought about it was, you know, if we have a goal to get really strong, to be able to do a certain skill, lift a certain weight, if we have a goal to look a certain way, to lose fat, to build muscle, we have that goal and then we're interested in the path that we need to take to get to that goal. So the second part for me was what do you want? What is the vision? What is the goal that you have when it comes to your health, your body, your training? We need to get clear on that vision on what you want. Then we can look at the path that we take to get what we want. Then the third part was set bigger goals. <laughs> and we want to set big goals because it's not about the goal. It's about the process of getting to the goal or working towards the goal. So there's three parts to it. The first is the foundation of needs for you for women so the model that we use in warrior school and that is where is the body at right now what is the biofeedback saying what do we need to work on to create stability and safety or it's also talked about as in healing the body uh, but i like to look at it from a health perspective Health can be, it's a very um, hot topic. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I love it. I think it's a really interesting topic to, to talk about with people. People get really fired up about what is healthy and what is not healthy. The reason why I love it is because we can go to the science and we can look at the, the physiology. Look at your physiology. What is your body telling you? What is your biofeedback telling you? If you've got a lot of red crosses against that biofeedback, so you're not sleeping, you don't have an appetite, your mood is low, you have no sex drive, your temp and pulse are shit, that means your body isn't healthy. So first we need to create that foundation and we need to get your body healthy or healthier 
in order to then build the next piece on top of the base of the pyramid. And then that opens up possibility. And I think that's the really cool piece. If we don't have the foundation and the body is not healthy from a physiological perspective, it closes possibility off. And I love the second part of this question because what she's asking is, I've been stuck for so long in a body that I didn't trust, that wasn't stable, that didn't feel safe. And I've worked really hard to build trust with it again, to make it feel safe, to make it feel stable. And now I feel my body is healthy. What possibilities lie beyond that? What an epic question. What a cool way, what a cool place to be and a cool way to think about this health nutrition training stuff is we want to always look at it from a place of possibility and we don't have possibility, we don't have all of these different paths if we haven't created the foundation. And this is why in warrior school, we spend a good six, nine months on building that foundation, building a strong food strategy, slowing everything way down, tracking, paying attention to the body, the physiology. Where is my body at right now? We have such a hard time. You know, we, I used to believe that women didn't know what they wanted. So they were seduced by all of these things and they kept trying all of these things. But now I believe that I, I believe you know what you want. But there is a gap between knowing what you want and also what you need right now. So what do you need right now? What does the body need right now to reach a healthy state, to have a strong foundation? It might not be what you want, but it's what you need. And giving your body what it needs and building a strong foundation will allow you then to get what you want. So let's blast open the hatchet of possibility. And let me tell you, there's so much possibility when you have a body that is healthy and you have a strong foundation. Because girl, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do with your training? What do you want to do with your body? Get clear on that. That's the second piece. What do you want? And I'm going to give you an example. So I had chronic back pain and I found myself flat on my back on the floor, unable to get up. I was weak. I was broken. I was in pain. I was scared to train. It took me 12 months to rebuild a strong foundation. 12 months of training, you know, almost every day, building a stronger body, regaining trust with my body, learning how to move again, how to train properly. You know, I started working with my coach Uh, And this was in 2012. And I realized the real problem, one of the real problems when it comes to all of this stuff, 
Actually, there's two real problems. One is that a lot of women aren't actually taught how to train properly. And by properly, I mean how to actually approach their training, how to progress it, the process, the methods, the qualities, the standards. You know, when you watch me train or you watch someone like Libby or Kitty, they are training properly because they are following a plan, a process and a method. They have an understanding how to confidently progress and modify their training. So that was one problem that I saw when I started working with my coach, that most women aren't even taught how to train properly. The second problem that I saw when I started working with my coach was that a lot of women don't have powerful relationships with their bodies and training and food. So for a lot of women, and maybe you feel like this too, you have been trying to get stronger and feel great in your body for years, maybe even decades. And you've tried loads of things, all of this stuff, but you still, you still don't have what you want. You still aren't as strong as you want, or you still don't feel super great in your body. What's happened over time, you know, you've tried all of these things and you feel like it hasn't worked, is that's put a a big strain on your relationship that you have with yourself, but also the relationship that you have with training. Because if you've been in the practice of training, if you've been working out and exercising for a long time, but you're not getting the outcome or the goal that you want, It's really frustrating and overwhelming and exhausting and confusing. And all of those big emotions, uh, they create some strain on the thing that we are in relationship to. And that's how I felt, you know, when I was in chronic pain and I was flat on my back on the floor and I was weak and broken in pain. I didn't have a powerful relationship with my body. I didn't trust her. And I didn't have a powerful relationship with training. And for me, that was extremely scary because I had moved my body since I was three years old. I had trained my entire life. I was an athlete my entire childhood. And here I was so weak and broken on the floor. And so part of the work with my coach was one, learning how to train properly Two, it was also redefining the relationship that I had with myself and my body and training. And so once I reached my health goal of, you know, being pain free, of feeling more confident, of trusting my body again, of, you know, I just wanted to have this foundation again. I wanted to trust my body. I didn't want to be in pain I wanted to be able to train. It took about 12 months of hard work and it was the one of the hardest years of my life, but one of the most rewarding years of my life. And I learned so much in that 12 months. And then I've spent <laughs> another 12 years after that 
strengthening the relationship that I have with my body and myself and my training practice. And so we're constantly, you know, redefining these relationships or we're constantly nurturing these relationships uh, as we go through life and different phases of our lives. But for me, I had reached that goal. I was no longer in pain. And so then what did I want? What did I want to do? Not being in pain opened up possibility for me. And one day my coach taught me how to snatch. And I just had this natural ability to do it. And it was exquisite. And when I think about it, like it brings tears to my eyes because I remember the moment, that session, and it was one of the first times in a long time that I felt strong and powerful and graceful. And I fell in love with the barbell that day. And I had never really thought about training that way or you know, falling in love with something, something that is so powerful and makes you feel graceful and strong and capable. And then I, I did Olympic weightlifting for years and I trained a lot, you know, three or four hours a day, six days a week. I competed in Olympic weightlifting And I went down that path for a long time until one day I got injured and I couldn't even move freely, let alone lift. I couldn't actually lift or touch a barbell for about five months. I dislocated the rib of um, the head of rib four away from the spine. It's called a subluxation. And that injury surfaced a deep attachment that I had to lifting. I based my self-worth on the bar, how well I lifted, how much I lifted. And I did that because, you know, I was now this strong, graceful, powerful athlete. I wasn't this weak, broken girl. And I was so scared to go back to being weak and broken. And so I attached my self-worth you know, my identity, who I was to Olympic weightlifting. But then I got injured and I couldn't lift. And let's just say I went down into a very dark hole, into a black pit again. And it took me a really long time to crawl out of there. (laughs) And that crawl out, I had to really look at, well, I I walked away from Olympic weightlifting And I had to really look at this relationship that I had to training. Again, I had to redefine uh, the relationship that I had to training, to myself and to my body. And I had to ask myself, what do I want? What do I want out of my training practice? You know, what do I want to do? And then that opened up a different path again. And I went back to gymnastic strength training and hand balancing I, you know, stopped following a structured program. I didn't train as much. I tried to find playfulness and joy in training again. 
And from there, I then went back into strength training and I have recently decided to go back to Olympic weightlifting. Now, after that decision, I've been dealing with an ongoing hip back uh, problem that you know now seems to be a little bit of a pelvic floor problem and potentially some trauma that I um, had experienced to my coccyx, so potentially a tailbone problem. And so we're in 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 trying to figure it out. Basically, I've got a whole team that's really trying to figure out what's going on because I actually can't lift a lot of heavy load at the moment. And so that's, you know, put a stop to me going back to Olympic weightlifting or it slowed it down, let's just say. And so we can get clear on what we want. You know, what do we want to be able to do? How do we want to feel? And then we have, you know, we've opened up possibility because we've got this strong foundation. We've got this healthy body. And now we can go down a path and we just have to pick a path. You know, there is no right path. It's just, what do you want to do? And as we go down this path, it's not going to be linear. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs. There's going to be a lot of hard rights. And, you know, I've had a solid training practice now for the last 13 years. And there have been so many hard rights, (laughs) so many ups and downs. But the coolest thing is that because I spent the time you know, 12, 13 years ago, building a strong foundation. I always come back to that. It always comes back to you. You have a strong foundation. And because I have a strong foundation, I have a healthy body. I always have a different path I can choose. I always have possibility. And I could be heading down one path, but then I can hit a hard right. And maybe we're heading down a path You know, maybe your path is to get really strong, you know, to really focus on lifting heavy weights, falling in love with the barbell. So maybe you decide that now you've built a strong foundation that you want to train, you know, four days a week and you want to learn to lift heavy and you want to fall in love with the barbell. Okay, that's amazing. That's a really cool path. Let's go down it. And we create a plan and we create a strategy and we go down that path, but then something happens. Something happens in our life or, you know, maybe we get injured or maybe the body becomes stressed for some reason. So we have to pause, we have to go into that hard right, and then we need to create a new strategy. Maybe we need to go down a different path for a little while. It doesn't mean that we'll never be able to come back to the path that we were on, but it's not linear. We're constantly listening to the body and receiving feedback and creating new strategies, going down different paths. Uh, So hopefully... uh, (laughs) I'm not sure how you're feeling about that, uh, but that's what came up for me. You know, when someone reaches their health goals, when you have this strong foundation, you know, when you have this strong metabolism, good biofeedback, what are the different paths after that? 
you need to ask yourself, what do you want? What do you want to be able to do? What do you want to achieve? What's your vision? Then once we're clear on that, we've got possibility. We pick a path. Just pick a path. Uh, And an example I gave you was the strength path. It's a good path to take. (laughs) And then you need to create a strategy and a plan for that path. And once you reach a goal on that path, set a bigger goal. And then set a bigger goal and set a bigger goal. Because if we set big, scary goals, the really cool thing is it's not about the goal. It's not about achieving the outcome getting to the home it's about the process it's about the journey Uh, that's where you're going to learn so much about yourself okay the next question can you still have a healthy metabolism eat pro-metabolic and do a sport like crossfit weekly my short answer is yes My answer is yes, because I believe women can train hard. We just need to learn to do it in a respectful way. So a way that works with our body, that supports our physiology. And one way that we do this is by nourishing well and recovering properly. If we don't have a strong foundation, if our body's not healthy, it doesn't feel safe, it's not stable, we don't have strong biofeedback, if we're not eating enough and then we're training on top of this, that's the problem. The problem isn't training hard. The problem isn't doing high intensity training. The problem is is that we didn't have a strong foundation and we didn't know how to nourish ourselves well and we weren't recovering So CrossFit is a high intensity functional training program and it combines lots of different types of exercise. So Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, sprints, plyo, gymnastics, strength training, running. And normally within the session, if it's good CrossFit programming, what they'll do is they'll have, you know, activation prep work, a warm up up at the start and then they'll have strength a strength piece and then they'll have a wad which is a workout of the day and wads are usually performed really quickly they're repetitive you know they're under time so it's high intensity stuff uh and the the problem with a lot of females doing CrossFit or a lot of CrossFit is that they have low energy availability. They actually don't eat enough food to fuel one to, you know, to let alone support their physiology, their body, their hormones, their metabolism, and then they train on top of this. And so the studies, there's not a lot, but there's a couple of studies that have been done And they are actually looking at the energy availability. So one study was looking at the dietary intake and nutritional status in CrossFit trained individuals. And they were looking at both men and women. And then I also found a uh, paper which was done by a PhD student on recreational female CrossFit athletes and low energy availability. 
So I wanted to talk through those a little bit. Uh, there's some interesting stuff in them. But basically, you know, if we think about training, training hard, whether that's strength training or powerlifting or something like CrossFit, which is high intensity, or even running, uh, the most important thing is, do we have a strong foundation? What's the state of our body like? What's my biofeedback telling me? Then do I have an understanding of how to fuel myself? How much food do I actually need to support my physiology and my metabolism to make sure that my biofeedback stays strong? Then I'm training on top of this. So I also want to be clear about how much do I need to eat to support my training? The problem arises with hard training or training a lot or doing CrossFit is when we are in a low energy availability state. So the effectiveness of our training and whether that's a strength training practice or running or the sport like CrossFit depends on three things. One, are we following a properly planned training program? that is progressive, that meets our body where it's at. Two, do we have high energy availability? Are we eating enough food? And three, are we recovering well? So a lot of the research seems to focus on energy availability uh, and they look at, you know, if we have low energy availability, how that affects um, health and performance. So because CrossFit is really demanding, uh, it requires an adequate energy availability to avoid those negative health and performance consequences. So I've known a lot of females who have done CrossFit and they haven't had a strong foundation. So their body wasn't strong, stable, didn't feel safe. They didn't have a strong metabolism and they weren't eating enough. So they had negative health and performance consequences because of this. So let's just chat a bit about what energy availability is. Uh, it is the amount of energy left over for body processes once the demand of exercise is accounted for. So we have, you know, energy balance, uh, we have energy intake and then we have energy um, availability. So when uh, they look at it in the studies, they're looking at what energy do I have left over for my key body processes once the demand of exercise is accounted for. So what that really means is energy availability is an input into the body. Energy balance is total energy intake minus our total daily energy expenditure. So we have total energy intake, so what I eat in a day, and then I'm going to minus my total daily energy expenditure, and that is energy balance. And then energy availability is and input into the body. Energy balance is energy output from the body. So an 
energy balance of zero indicates that body weight and body composition is stable. A positive energy balance over time may result in gain in body mass, while a negative energy balance might result in a loss of body mass. And whether the gain or the loss in body mass affects body fat stores or muscle mass would depend on the composition of the diet. So energy availability is based on the balance of energy intake and total energy expenditure. As the energy expenditure increases, energy availability for other body processes decreases if that intake does not also increase. So if I am expending loads of energy and I'm not eating enough, I actually don't have enough energy available for other body processes. And this is what happens over time is we start to see our biofeedback go wacky because the body doesn't actually have enough energy to support the physiology, the metabolism. And we won't get into energy metabolism today, uh, but essentially that's what's happening. You know, when we're uh, eating too little, so too few calories, yes, it can result in weight loss, but it can also affect energy metabolism, our hormones and how well our cells use energy as fuel. So the research... Uh, there's loads of research that estimates the optimal uh, physiological balance. We, we achieve optimal physiological balance when we eat like 45 uh, kcals per kilo of fat-free mass per day. And, so we, and then we start to see detrimental effects below 30 kcals per kilo of fat-free mass per day. Although um, I couldn't find much research, there's like very little research that discusses the physiological effects between 30 and 45. So what they look at at one end is like, okay, this is optimal. The body does really well on 45 kcals per kilo of fat-free mass per day. Uh, the body doesn't do well if we drop below 30 kcals per kilo of fat-free mass per day. Not a lot is in between. Uh, which I thought was really interesting. So if we're below the threshold, essentially the body doesn't have enough energy to maintain homeostasis and then it results in wacky hormones and you know wacky biofeedback. So a lot of the research out there is actually uh, around female endurance athletes and it's called the female triad. So those female endurance athletes who have experienced disordered eating, impaired menstrual cycle function and poor bone health. So each of those um, can be a consequence of low energy availability, but together they comprise what they call the female triad. But it's now understood that uh, these three potential consequences of EA, so the disordered eating, the impaired menstrual function, the poor bone health, uh, are not just a triad of conditions, but 
it's quite complex. So there's like an incredibly complex syndrome where energy availability is the center of the issue. So now they have referred, renamed it and they refer to it as relative energy deficiency in sport. So REDS. And it can affect both men and women. Uh, low EA, EA, so low energy availability. Um, I've just been saying energy availability so many times. I feel like I could have abbreviated it, um, you know, 50 times ago. So if I say low EA, I mean low energy availability. When we write a paper, so when we write a scientific paper, we will put um, the abbreviation uh, first at the start of the paper and then all through the paper you'll see the abbreviated uh, version. So low EA is not only common in endurance athletes, uh, which, you know, it was originally very well studied in endurance athletes, but what they're starting to find is that half of all female athletes are at risk of low energy availability and are really susceptible to its effects. So we're starting to see, you know, a lot of wacky hormones, wacky biofeedback stuff come from low EA uh, and also even some sedentary females uh, are not eating enough. So they are in low energy availability. So just note that it's not just female endurance athletes. Uh, and this is why I think it could be really well studied in uh, a broader population of female athletes. And then also I would find it extremely interesting to actually study elite female CrossFit athletes to see if they are at risk of low EA or if they you know, have some of these signs and symptoms that their training load is too stressful for the body would be very, very interesting study. Uh, so the interesting thing about CrossFit is that it, because it's so, the intensity is constantly varied, it actually stresses all three metabolic pathways. So it stresses our ATP, CP, our glycotic and oxidative uh, and so we're using all three metabolic pathways. And so we need to make sure that we're, you know, we have enough fuel to support uh, our physiology and our metabolism. So in the studies, both studies that I read that I will link into the show notes, they are really focusing on energy availability. So the thesis that I read from the PhD student she really wanted, you know, she had uh, this problem, which the problem was, you know, giving, given the higher risk of low EA among recreational athletes. And because CrossFit is really strenuous, it's possible that a lot of CrossFit athletes are at a greater risk of low EA than other athletes. So they had the two aims, which was to assess the risk of low energy availability in female recreational CrossFit athletes. And then they had the second aim, which was to determine the prevalence of low energy availability in the CrossFit community of female recreational athletes. What they actually, what she actually hypothesized was that the uh, energy availability would be low, so below 30 kcals per kilo of fat-free mass per day. 
So I'm not going to go into the methods, but phase one was assessing their risk. So they actually used a questionnaire uh, and I believe I think they got over 300 uh, responses back from that questionnaire. It was a very high compliance rate. So it was a, a survey, uh, a 25 uh, item questionnaire. And then the second phase was the measurement of energy availability. So this is where they got uh, the participants to do a seven day dietary and exercise record. And they wanted to calculate energy availability among these female CrossFit athletes. So they were assessing energy expenditure from the dietary record, and then they were calculating energy availability. Now, what did they find? Uh, I'm just going to talk quickly through some of the results that they found that I have noted here in my notes. So when they were looking at the risk of low energy availability through that questionnaire, uh, there was a total of 306 participants who completed it. That's a 75% completion rate. And that's pretty good um, within the research space. <laughs> so the survey results indicated that 49% of the participants were assessed as uh at risk for low EA, while 51% were assessed as not at risk. And so they had a way that they were assessing them uh, that you can read in the study if you want to. So 49% of those 306 or so participants were assessed to being at risk for low EA based on this survey. Okay, so what they found is that the average EA uh, wasn't below the unfavorable threshold. So that threshold that we spoke about at the start, which was below 30 kcals per kilo fat-free mass per day. So the average EA that they found was not below that. 30% uh, of the calculated EAs, so that was 25 of the participants in the study were below threshold. So they were below that 30K cal. And then they did statistical analysis that revealed that EA is significantly correlated to exercise-induced energy expenditure, energy intake and intake of carbohydrates and fat. So basically they found that based on the regression analysis that they did, the athletes in the study who expend more than 660 calories from exercise during the day were more likely uh, to experience EA below 30 kcals, which I thought that was really fascinating. So those female athletes who through exercise, their exercise expenditure expended more than 660 through analysis, they did find that they were more likely to be below that threshold. Also, they found that athletes in the study who consume less than 1,700 calories per day, 170 grams of carbs or 53 grams of fat per day, were more likely to experience EA below 30 kcals. And they found that protein intake was not significantly correlated to EA. Uh, so I thought that that was extremely interesting 
If you expend quite a lot through exercise, so through CrossFit, uh, you're, you are more likely to experience EA. Also, if you have an intake that is low, and so 1700 is very low, especially for an active female who is doing CrossFit, I would say it's highly likely that they would experience EA. But the study found that they are more likely to experience um, EA below 30, which again, if we're dropping below that 30, this is when we start to see uh, negative effects on our physiology, our hormones, our metabolism. Then there was... uh, So basically in the discussion and what they have found is that some recreational female CrossFit athletes are at an increased risk for low energy availability, uh, especially if they're training a lot, training hard, uh, if their intake is low, and especially if their carbohydrate intake is low, they are at an increased risk for low energy availability, which then therefore puts them at an increased risk for uh, poor performance, poor recovery, and poor biofeedback. So there was a study, another study done in 2020, I believe, and they also did an assessment of dietary intake and nutritional status in CrossFit trained individuals. So this had both male and female uh, participants in it. They did study 62 CrossFit athletes, and I think it was a pretty even split. Yeah, they did 31 men and 31 women, and they were at an average age of like 30 years old. They actually analyzed their body composition. They looked at their dietary intake, uh, which was using a standard three-day food record. So that's what we do in nutrition, like dietetics and sports nutrition. Our standard is a three-day food record. Uh, Sometimes we use a seven. A seven would be better. But in this study, they did a three-day food record. Uh, They actually did want to note down what the body fat percentage for females and males was. So for females, it was uh, 20 plus or minus uh, 4.3%. And for males, it was 13.7 plus or minus 3.3%. So they found that the energy intake in the diet was lower uh, than the recommended demand of CrossFit, of their activity. So they actually found that the average intake for women was only 1,700 calories and the average intake for men was only 2,300 calories. (laughs) Moreover, what what they found was the low consumption of carbohydrates, uh, which, you know, if you think about CrossFit and the CrossFit culture, totally makes sense. Uh, They have, like I said, a low intake of carbohydrates. So they looked, um, you know, they they um, got all the data. They looked at male and female. And basically what they did find is that their overall consumption was way lower than their recommended um, intake or the demand that was being placed on the body. So over time, you know, it might work for us for a while, But over time, we start to learn that actually our amazing body and physiology is really complex. And 
what worked for a while is not working anymore. And this is why it is so essential and key to track track your training, track your food. Now this could be in an app, it could be more subjectively. Obviously, if you are, you know, a female who does, you know, trains hard four or five days a week, does a sport like CrossFit, it would be really helpful to actually track your food to make sure that you're meeting your energy requirements, that you are in high energy availability, that you're getting enough carbohydrates to fuel your sessions, your workouts. You also want to track your data. You know, what is your body telling you? What is your biofeedback telling you? One of my teachers um, who's very well known, you know, he's like the godfather of movement or movement culture. He has this saying that there is no such thing as a bad exercise. It's just lack of preparation. And I honestly believe that for our training, you know, we have entered this kind of new era or in we're in this new trend, which, you know, CrossFit is a bit of a, is a trend, you know, uh, pro metabolic is a trend. And I'm not saying these, these trends don't provide us with amazing information and amazing tools, but we need to make this stuff ours make it yours the only way you can make something yours is yeah we can consume the information and we can learn you know about pro metabolic and you know we can do the crossfit programming but we need to make it ours make it your practice for you to be healthy for you to perform you've got to track your data you've got to listen to your body You've got to create a food strategy that works for you, not follow the food strategy of a culture. And the same goes for pro-metabolic. There's some stuff in that that might not work for you. It might not be part of your food strategy. And so you can train hard. Women can train hard. We can do it in a respectful way. If we've built our foundation, if we track our biofeedback, if we nourish ourselves enough, with enough food, balance them right, you know, all of this stuff, you just need to do it your way. Make it yours. Own it. Okay, next question. How does zone two fall into training? Zone two is uh, a heart rate zone. So it's called heart rate training and it really consists of using your heart rate to gauge your exercise intensity. And we can aim for different heart rate zones depending on what we want to get out of it. So it depends on the intention. And that is the first place that we start. Why are we using heart rate training? What is our intention? Is it for recovery, to work our aerobic system, our anaerobic system? So we want to know the goal or the intention. Then we want to calculate our max heart rate because we need to know that so we can work out our different zones everybody is super different okay with varying maximum heart rates so what you can use is a device (laughs) so uh, you know a wrist worn heart rate monitor or an actual chest heart rate monitor that will determine your max heart rate Uh, I don't wear a device (laughs) I actually hate Apple watches Uh, but I don't wear an aura ring or a whoop or 
I used to have a polar heart rate monitor uh, when I ran a lot, but I haven't done heart rate training using an actual heart rate monitor for quite a long time. But if you have that, if you have a heart rate monitor, use that and that will give you your personal max heart rate. So we are clear on the intention of what we want to get out of this heart rate training. We have calculated our max heart rate. So for example, we just use the the example I gave you, 30 years old, max heart rate is 190. So then we're looking at what are the heart rate zones. So once you know your max heart rate, you can establish your own heart rate training zones. Okay, so what are the heart rate zones? Zero is less than 50%. So the exertion level is rest. There is no strain on the body. Zone one would be 50 to 60% and it's very light. So this is what we would use for a warm up, a cool down and for active recovery. Zone two is 60 to 70% and it is light. Here, the goal or the intention of zone two would be to build basic endurance. Uh, so to build basic aerobic capacity, uh, this is the fat burning zone. It's sustainable for long periods of time. We can, you know, we feel quite comfortable doing it. We can nasal breathe. We can do it for a long time. Zone three is 70 to 80% and that is moderate. So it improves aerobic fitness and capacity and increases muscle strength. Then we move into zone four, which is 80 to 90% of your maximum heart rate. And it is hard. The intention for zone four would be to increase anaerobic threshold and max capacity for shorter efforts. So here we're uh, getting into sprints, speed, power. And then we've got zone five, which is 90 to 100% of your max heart rate. So it's max exertion level. <laughs> and the goal here is for, well, this is where a lot of athletes can work uh, sometimes in zone five for very brief durations. Uh, and it helps develop fast twitch muscle fibers. And it's mostly to do, you know, this would be sprinting. So speed. So, uh, you know, athletics, uh, those, the sprinters, they're at 90 to 100% of their max heart rate for very short periods of time. So for a lot of us, we're going to be spending a lot of time in zone one, which is very light. So this is walking around, doing your walks, uh, warm-ups or cool-downs or active recovery sessions where you're keeping that heart rate 50 to 60% of your maximum. Then we want to spend some time in zone two and zone three. So zone two, we want to spend time at that 60 to 70% to build basic endurance. Uh, we want to be able to nasal breathe and we'll use it for active recovery. And then it's really important to spend some time in zone three, even zone four. And it will depend on where you're at with building your foundation, uh, it will depend where you're at with your biofeedback, your recovery. But 
spending time in zones two, three, and four are really important to improve our aerobic fitness. So our cardiovascular fitness, uh, and also to improve our anaerobic threshold. So to expose ourselves to short efforts, uh, so that is, that's your zones. Now in warrior school, we spend a lot of time in zone one, zone two. And then once we build a strong foundation, the women are nourished well, we use zone three uh, to do some moderate uh, aerobic fitness work. It also depends on your goals as well that you have uh, so our active recovery really is low intensity activity and we want to do it to promote blood flow to the muscles and that will help us recover. So we do this in warrior school, we do active recovery days, zone two. Uh, I do this, you know, three or four times a week in my training, just some zone two work, active recovery work. I walk a lot, uh, which I can be in a zone two. You know, when we wake up with this stiffness, this soreness after a workout, it's called DOMS or delayed onset of muscle soreness. And it can begin a day or two after a workout. And we actually, it's caused because we um, create like these microscopic tears in the muscle fibers. And so then our body actually responds to these tears by it increases inflammation. So then that leads to that achiness feeling. Um, sometimes it can be so bad that it's really hard to sit down on the toilet. <laughs> uh, and it happens to everyone. You know, it happens to beginners, to elite athletes. And it normally happens when we increase our intensity. So when we actually, or if we've taken time off and then we... <laughs> We don't modify the training. We just go back to the original intensity that we were doing. We will be really sore. So if we do active recovery sessions, you know, sitting in this 50 to 60%, sometimes we can go a little higher. We're doing a few things. And this active recovery actually has a number of benefits. Uh, it increases blood flow. So... <laughs> That's really helpful for this achy feeling or, you know, to reduce DOMS. We really want to increase blood flow. It eliminates metabolic waste. So such as that lactic acid that builds up, it reduces the soreness. Uh, you know, it can maintain our momentum with training without, you know, us burning out from intense training. So it's really important to put this in to complement support and balance, especially a hard training practice. Uh, and it can also prevent, potentially prevent, there is some research around injuries. You know, if we are actually increasing blood flow, um, helping muscle soreness, removing metabolic waste, uh, you know, maintaining uh, a consistent training practice, it can or could um, help prevent um, some injuries. So there was a 2018 study, I think, that actually looked at post-workout recovery techniques. And they did find that they had all of those benefits. So in the study, they actually found that there was, you know, increased blood flow. There was um, 
a better elimination of metabolic waste. There was a reduction in soreness uh, and it, it could help prevent injuries. So what is, you know, a thing that we talk a lot about in warrior school is active recovery versus passive recovery. <laughs> so, you know, when we think of not training, we think of having a rest day. And often what we think that is that rest day should be very passive, you know, where we actually don't do anything at all. But the goal of your rest day is actually to boost recovery. Then we want to take action towards that. Yeah, it's not we don't just want to have inaction or of not going to the gym or sitting on the couch. We want to actually promote recovery. And I've done a full podcast episode on this. Uh, I will pop the podcast episode in the show notes. I can't remember what episode it was. But uh, I talk you through recovery and how to recover well so you can train hard. So with the heart rate training, uh, a lot of the women in warrior school, they'll do zone two. So we'll do this 50, 60, 65%. Uh, some of them that have a stronger foundation, uh, we start to add in more aerobic type sessions where we're working 70, 80% uh, for aerobic conditioning. And if they have a performance goal, we can do some anaerobic sessions. Uh, but for most of you, you want to think about active recovery and you want to be working at that 50 to 60%. You want to take more active recovery days than passive recovery days. Of course, sleep is essential. And I talk more about that in the podcast episode that I did on recovery. I can get you, shall I get you the podcast episode right now? Let me get you the podcast episode. It is episode 110. Three things to boost your recovery. I do a deep dive into recovery and how you can be a badass at recovery. Okay, the next question. She's a big one. How important is sex? Okay, I'm going to offer this up to you at the start. I am not an expert on sex or on relationships. Uh, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I can merely share uh, my own belief and experience when it comes to this topic uh, and I will give you some resources that you can connect in with that I think will be really helpful uh, for you around this topic. So I thought a lot about this question as well. You know, it's a really big question and I'm a really big believer in talk about what you know. You know, only talk about what you know. And so this pushes me, you know, to my boundary. 
I know sex from a personal experience. Uh, I know sex from thousands of conversations that I've had with women. But in those thousands of conversations that I've had with women, the topic hasn't been about sex. Sex has come up in conversation. So I am not an expert in this. Do I think sex is important? I think human connection is extremely important. And sex can be a medium or a way to express connection, to connect with another human being. But I also believe it is about connection with self. It is about the relationship that we have with ourselves and our bodies. And I believe that the relationship that you have with yourself and your body will be the most important relationship that you have in this life. And if sex is a way for you to explore that relationship, strengthen that relationship, to explore your body, I think it is very important. So I am going to stick with what I know because this pushes me to my boundary and I'm going to offer you up some resources that you can connect in with. The first is Esther Perel's work. Esther Perel, well, she's one of the women that changed my life. She is one of the women that is at my table and has been at my table for over a decade. She has changed how I look at relationships and how I relate to other people. Her work around eroticism, passion and desire has at times blown my mind. (laughs) Esther Perel has written two books. Her first is called Mating in Captivity. The second is called The State of Affairs. She has two amazing TED Talks and she has an amazing website full of fantastic resources. She writes a newsletter called Letters with Esther and she turns those newsletters into articles and she places them on her website. One of the articles that comes to mind that may be helpful for this topic uh, was called why eroticism should be part of your self-care plan (laughs) and I really like that I like it because there is so much self-care shit out in the world and to be honest I think a lot of it's bullshit about lighting a candle or I don't know, whatever it is. (laughs) This one, I was like, oh yeah. And she speaks all about eroticism and how we can inject eroticism into our life and why it should be part of our self-care plan. And you know what? With all the self-care plans out there, I haven't seen this. (laughs) I haven't seen anyone talk about eroticism. 
What comes up for me uh, is, you know, the way that we talk about it, you know, is this normal? How often should we be having sex? Will it change? You know, am I doing it wrong? Do I have something wrong with me? Do I have a hormonal deficiency? You know, how do I fix this? Or we just need to do it. (laughs) When we say, you know, when we use that language, uh, it can be really unhelpful. And we're looking at it from a very mechanical perspective. And I, you know, the way that I think about it is when we talk about working out or exercising, I just got to get it done. I just got to do it. And so, you know, I teach my warriors to think about training as a practice. And I think we can view sex the same way, that it is a practice. And within that practice, you know, it's not just about the mechanical act of having sex. Uh, That just places like this, I guess, this focus or this hyper focus on actually just the act of doing it. And it misses a lot of other important things. And one of them is this idea of the erotic or eroticism. And Esther talks about it as, you know, eroticism is an art. And that the more that we engage in eroticism outside of the bedroom, the more the bedroom becomes another location for the erotic to take place. And I think a lot of us are out of practice uh, when it comes to eroticism. And we're not even sure how to take the first step. You know, how do we start to enter this world of the erotic, uh, of this idea of play and passion and pleasure? I think the first step is just giving ourselves permission to explore pleasure. Uh, and to explore the erotic. She talks about multiple ways that we can do this. So there's some amazing articles on her website that you can read about. But for me, you know, I've always been a quality over quantity gal. <laughs> uh And this is with everything in my life. I am a little obsessed with quality. The quality of the experience. Uh, And I viewed sex as a practice for a long time. And I think no one has ever had more sex by talking about how much sex they're not having. (laughs) So... I think the first, you know, the first thing is, okay, can you give yourself permission to think about this and to think about exploring pleasure, pleasure uh, with your own body, you know, pleasure, finding pleasure in daily life. We're all so busy and so tired and so exhausted and so overwhelmed and so stressed and we don't have strong nervous systems. So it makes finding pleasure and practicing the erotic really hard. (laughs) The first step is just give yourself permission to explore it 
And this is why I believe having a strong nervous system is really important. You know, when we are wanting to do new things or hard things, we need a strong nervous system. You know, we need the energy to even explore this. I remember uh, reading the book, The Female Body in Western Culture by Susan Rubin Suleiman, I think, I believe. And in the book, you know, she talks about how desire and self-worth go hand in hand. So in order to want, we need to feel deserving. And I've had many conversations with women where they... You know, they feel like they no longer deserve to be attractive because they no longer have the body that they had when they were 20. You know, they no longer like how they look. And even just the other day, um, a warrior and I were talking and she shared that, you know, her husband asked her to go somewhere uh, with him this summer. And she said no, because she felt too fat to wear a bathing suit. She t- felt too fat to have fun and play. And for her, there was this, you know, this feeling of no longer deserving to be attractive to him because she didn't look the way that she wanted to look. She didn't have the body composition that she wanted. And then there's a line in, you know, the message that she wrote me that said, and she's worked really hard on her mindset around this, but he wants me because I am a whole package. And I loved that. But for a lot of us, it can be that we feel like we no longer deserve to have passionate, hot sex. (laughs) Like the sex that just blows your mind, that feels so good a lot of us feel like we don't deserve that because we're not attractive you know we hate our bodies and this is why looking at the relationship that you have with yourself and your body is so important because if you are in relationship with someone else and part of that relationship is sexual connection but you hate yourself and your body, it doesn't serve a powerful connection. So to desire, to feel eroticism and passion, you've got to have self-worth. They go hand in hand. So if you want to have great sex, if you want desire and passion and playfulness, You need to feel deserving of that. Way too often, you know, when I speak to women, when they don't feel attractive, you know, they can't imagine that someone else sees them a different way, that, you know, their partners actually find them attractive. And I really want to encourage you that we've got to change that story. You know, we've got to work really hard on the relationship that we have to ourselves and our bodies. If we want to relate to another human powerfully. Okay, that's all I'm really going to say on that. Uh, 
check out Esther Perel's work. She has amazing resources in there. Um, all right, let's go next question. We have two more, two more questions, warrior. We can do this. Okay, this question will be super short. What shoes do you wear? I wear Vivo Barefoot. Uh, I'm actually going to have a Vivo Barefoot educator on the podcast next week, which is super cool. We're going to talk all about feet, foot health, uh, foot problems, shoes, uh, and barefoot shoes. So you're going to get a whole podcast episode on feet and footwear. Okay, last question. Can you talk about Warrior School? Is it individual and what's the training like? Yes. Yes, I can talk about Warrior School. I could talk about Warrior School all day. These women inside are overhauling women's training. We are redefining how to train and live as women. I help women have powerful relationships with themselves, their bodies and training. And I do this through Warrior School. Warrior School is my online coaching program for women. And I believe life is too short to be in relationships you do not like, especially with your body and training. I believe you deserve more, more passion, desire and to get turned on by your training and life. I want you to become the woman who trains with her body, not against it. I want you to unleash your warrior within. So I teach you how to create powerful relationships with yourself, your body and training so you can get stronger, feel confident and fall in love with training and your life. And we do this through a few different ways, but first I, you know, I want you to answer me honestly. Are you in an unhappy relationship with yourself, your body and training? Are you? What are those relationships like? So I know that you've been trying to get stronger and feel more confident for years. And I really want to celebrate that. I know that you've been committed to trying to unleash your warrior within. But you can't get there. You can't get what you want. And don't worry, you aren't alone. I've worked with hundreds of women who were exactly where you are. In unhappy relationships with themselves and their body and training. They were training, you know, six to seven days a week, doing high intensity classes, running, CrossFit, personal training, pushing harder and harder, thinking that that's the secret to get to getting stronger and feeling great. You know, they were following diets and, you know, restricting calories and fasting and under eating and, you know, wondering why they don't have any energy. They were listening to a bunch of podcasts and reading and researching and <laughs> You know, they were trying to find the right way and they were feeling like they were learning even though, you know, and some were even doing, but they just weren't getting what they wanted. And so many of the women that I've worked with have followed so many programs, uh, you know, they found on social media or by other coaches and they've been trying to piece it together. And But even after doing all of this, it still doesn't help. And they've ended up 
stressed out and overwhelmed and frustrated and not getting the results that they want. And maybe that's how you feel. Now, I want you to imagine this, that you feel strong and confident and feminine and graceful and powerful. Like you feel like a freaking warrior and you believe in yourself and you identify as the woman who believes she's capable of achieving what she wants. You have a relationship with yourself and training that is full of passion and desire and results. You create this long-term committed relationship with training that is flows, it's fun, and it gets you results. You build a body that not only carries you through your life on your own terms, but looks and feels so good. And you fall so madly in love with yourself, your body and training and your life. Does it excite you? Well, it should. (laughs) And this is why I created Warrior School. It is a 12-month intense coaching program for women who are ready to redefine how they train and live. Also known as your ticket to powerful relationships and a strong, sexy body. Uh, (laughs) We use the Warrior Way model, which I created. Uh, It's a framework that will help you redefine how you train and live. The framework has four key parts to help you build a strong body and powerful relationships. The first part is vision and mindset. So I teach you how to create a vision. You know, what do you want in your life and your relationships? This is really the foundation um, that will help you get clear on your vision and create a warrior mindset so you can achieve what you want. So we look at creating your vision, uh, getting clear on knowing what you want and how to get it. We look at mindset, you know, how to manage your mind. And then the second foundation is energy and the metabolism. So we need to create safety and stability through food uh, because that is the fuel to your fire and will help you unleash your warrior within. We've got to have energy. So in this foundation, I help you create a food strategy to support your training and your life. The third foundation is training. Your training is how you build a body that is strong, powerful, and graceful. You know, one that will carry you through your life on your own terms with confidence. You know, I believe, and this is why uh, Warrior School has such a big focus on training. Training changes our posture and how we show up in in the world. You know, training redefines all of the other relationships that we have in our life because we build so much confidence and trust within ourselves when we have a strong training practice and a strong body. So I teach you how to train in this foundation. You're on your own individualized training program. You train three or four times a week. We build your foundation. Then number four is hormones. So your hormones have a really big impact on your energy and training. So we look at what your hormones are doing, how we can work with your physiology, how we can support your cycle or we can support you through perimenopause or menopause and how we can use it as a tool for performance. So Warrior School isn't really about improving yourself. You know, it's not about making yourself better. I believe it's about redoing who you are. It's about redefining uh, how you live and how you train. So basically when you come in, we knock it all down and we rebuild it from the ground up. And all of the warriors that are in warrior school know that I love to knock it all down. And we start 
again, we rebuild that foundation. And we do that because then that allows us to unleash the warrior that is within you. So how do we do it? How do we get stronger, redefine our relationships with ourselves, our training and our bodies? Here's what we do inside of the school. We have weekly live group coaching calls and each week there's a series of coaching classes that you can join and they are live warrior teaching calls where we dive into exclusive topics or concepts like mindset and training, nutrition, beliefs, boundaries. Uh, Sometimes we have guest speakers come in. There's also a live warrior coaching call and so these are designed to help you meet like-minded warriors. We spend the first half talking about the focus topic that we have for the month and then the second half is an open Q&A question session. We also do monthly one-on-one coaching calls. So your reinvention is totally unique. So each month you get a one-on-one coaching call with me and we use this time to work through challenges, uh, look at the next steps in your training practice, set up systems or strategies, work on key mindset areas. It's one-on-one solo time that we spend together and it is one of the most favorite parts of my work is spending one-on-one time with all of my warriors. You will be on an individualized training program. So all of the warriors are on their own training programs and they train three to four days a week. And we are looking at rebuilding their foundation. So the training, especially at the start, is very much focused on mobility, stability, body weight, strength and strength training. And then as we build a strong foundation, we look at progressing the training and, you know, training with intensity, uh, adding the barbell in, increasing our weights. You have access to your own private training application and that's where we do all of our training communication. So the app allows you to quickly log your workouts, review past results, post comments, ask me questions and receive feedback. We have an epic private online community full of other badass warriors like you. And she's like this circle of inspiration. So I have uh, a whole community uh, which has, you know, it's a platform where you can post feedback or ask for feedback, drop questions, post goals or wins. You know, we also use this platform to host all the recorded sessions that we do in Warrior School and all the content. And it's where you'll also find the Warrior School curriculum. So one of the missions behind Warrior School is to teach you all the things that you didn't learn in school. So we work through education modules on nutrition, training, the menstrual cycle. There are guest lectures in there. There's a lot of resources. Uh, Don't worry, this stuff is way cooler than school. And... You have access to all past live event footage and training. So every teaching and coaching call is recorded and it's put on the platform. And this is including guest teachers from around the world. Uh, You can go back through any previous content and there is a tons of valuable resources there. Plus, we have an internal podcast, which is very cool. So each week you'll be able to listen to an exclusive podcast on mindset, training, hormones and nutrition to help you achieve your goals. 
If you want to learn more about Warrior School, my new website is almost done. So if by the time I release this podcast episode, she's out, I will pop the link to my new Warrior School website in the show notes below. If you have any more questions, just reach out to me, flick me an email, send me a DM, and I'll be so happy to answer your questions. If you want to shake things up, this is your permission slip, you know, to skip class and head straight to the coolest school. Signed by yours truly, which is me. Uh, I will teach you exactly what you need to learn to redefine who you are. You know, I'm talking about a way forward that puts you in the driver's seat of your life and your training. Applications for Warrior School are going to close at the end of September. So it's September 30th. They're closed for 2022 and they will reopen early 2023. So you have to come and check it out. I'd love to have you. Okay, Warrior Woman, that was an epic marathon Q&A session. <laughs> I, it's a pure pleasure to spend this time with you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for whacking me in your ears and I will see you very soon. Bye for now. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.